In the last episode, we considered directed entrepreneurship for the precocious with Spike Lab, who coaches high school students in launching startups as they walk their paths. Today, we'll turn our attention back to those who get lost along the way. I'll be joined by Adrian Frumberg, the founder of Lighthouse Guidance. Adrian is a passionate educator and counselor with 13 years of experience in the field of college counseling with expertise in working with students and young adults who have taken atypical paths to complete their education. She specializes in navigating the on-campus supports for students with mental health issues, LDs, and special learning needs, and has toured more than 100 colleges and universities in the United States and abroad over her years working in the industry. In addition to founding Lighthouse Guidance, a full-service college counseling company, Adrian has dedicated years working privately as a college counselor to assist students and families with the college process, as well as to support students with the transition from secondary school to college and work life. She has an MA in counseling from NYU, a bachelor's degree in psychology from Lafayette College, and completed the Harvard Summer Institute on College Admissions. When she's not working, you can find her spending her time with her husband and two young sons. Adrian, welcome to the show. Thank you. So could you maybe start by sharing a little bit about your background and what got you into college and career advising? Sure. So in terms of my educational background, I went to Lafayette College and I studied psychology. I then immediately went to NYU and went for my master's degree, particularly in school counseling. I became a permanently certified school counselor, and I worked at a few different high schools as a guidance counselor before going off on my own and starting Lighthouse Guidance. During that time, I worked at two typical high schools and one high school called the Aaron School. And that was sort of my first experience working with students who needed more support, whether it be for learning disabilities, for reasons of socialization and other special needs. And I learned through that, that I really loved working with students who had different hurdles in their post-secondary path. So I took a leap in 2017 and I started Lighthouse Guidance and really wanted to focus in particularly on those students who had challenges in navigating what they wanted to do after high school, whether it be college or going into a job or two-year school, whatever it be. I felt that there was really a gap in this really important space. So a lot of young adults and adolescents are, as we know, facing so many challenges. So that's sort of the reason I created Lighthouse Guidance. I think one of the challenges I find in kids with these different challenges, as you describe them, is kind of figuring out what's going on, like diagnosing uh, concomitant things, too, because oftentimes you'll have like a kid with anxiety and it manifests as ADHD, like they're jumping around the classroom to distract from like the feelings that they have of anxiety. How do you deal with that sort of challenge of figuring out overlapping issues for kids like that? That's a great question. For me, I'm really about collaborating. And I think one of the gifts of working in this field is that the professionals that I interact with are also very open to that. So even if I'm working with someone who is in a school and I'm not there personally, I will be collaborating with their social worker or with their counselor 
to see what they're experiencing on the day-to-day basis. You know, also if there are any narrative report cards or anything like that, their evaluations, I really try to take into account all of the aspects of who they are and trying to figure out what is the best next step for them. A lot of times with a consultant, sometimes schools and college counselors are receptive to working with me. Other times, not so much. So it really depends on the case, but I always do make myself available to collaborate with their other providers. So you're not Strictly speaking, a college consultant, what would you designate yourself? So I'm trained as a college counselor, but I would say, I guess, in terms of my title, I'd just say that I'm a college counselor and a transition counselor. So it's not only just college. I also help students identify, like, if they're not going straight to college, what else should they do in the meantime? Ah, I see. Okay, great. So what makes Lighthouse Guidance unique from other consulting organizations? Ooh, great question. So we definitely pride ourselves on guiding our students rather than, you know, giving advice. So I'm all about having a student in the driver's seat. I think that's really important. A lot of times some clients will come to me or, you know, clients meeting students will come to me having worked with other tutors who will be doing a lot of things for them, but I really want to put them in the driver's seat. I will help frame what needs to be done through a lot of different tools. But I think in order to be successful in college, if that is their path or whatever they're doing after high school, it requires them to be independent, be their own self-advocate, to be in that driver's seat. So I really try to practice those skills with my clients. So if they have college essays they need to work on in August or July and August before senior year, I'm making a calendar with them. We're doing it together. I want to help guide them to that finish line rather than, you know, say like, you know, I'm going to tell your parents and your parents are involved. I want the student to be in the driver's seat. So that's definitely something I pride myself on. And I think at Lighthouse, we're not about necessarily getting the student into the best ranked college. It's about getting into the program or college that is the best fit for what they would like to do. So I think that's really important. A lot of the students I work with have very unique needs. So we have to look at Mm. those factors more than the ranking Mm -hmm. of the school. Well, and that's a difficult challenge, I think. Easier said than done, particularly when there's competing expectations. Sometimes the parents have one vision for how things could be and the child has another and the coach has another or whoever it may be. So sometimes it's a matter of sort of balancing those things, right? It is. And it's sometimes having uncomfortable conversations. I think I like to bring parents into sessions. Some parents would like to have a presence in a lot of meetings, but I think to me, it's really, again, important for the student to be in that role of this is my process. So a family meeting, I think on a monthly basis is always great. And I send updates to parents about what we're doing. But I do think allowing the student the ability to take control of of what they want for their life following high school is really important. At Lighthouse, I also work with a lot of students who maybe go to college and it does not work out. So maybe college isn't for them. Maybe some other Mm. competing concerns are going on, whether it be mental health or substances. So sometimes students will come to me with a few credits or half of their credits for college and then try to piece together, how can I complete my degree? And I help them pick up the pieces and figure that out too. That's great that you're doing that. I don't think there are a whole lot of support systems for kids who are attrition risk like that. So 
Could you sort of describe the type of students that you typically encounter? Like what's your sort of prototype? There are a lot of different types of students that I encounter in my work at Lighthouse Guidance, but I would say if I'm going to put it into categories would be students with learning issues or learning differences. And these can also be co-occurring. So students with mental health issues, substance abuse, or in recovery, health conditions. That's something I have just really started working with since the pandemic. So I have some students with health concerns like chronic pain or who are wheelchair users and are looking for accessible campuses. So that's something fairly new. And then I guess we could call them, I know the word failure to launch is not so popular anymore, Mm. emerging adults. Say right. instead. So right. those would be right. the different, you know, sort of buckets right. of students. And then again, like for those students who have more significant challenges, you know, maybe it's other disabilities that would require them, you know, maybe to look at like a transition program instead of college with more independent life support. So do you have any notable sort of stories of success you could share with us? I uh, do. It's been a busy couple of years since the pandemic for Lighthouse Guidance. So One student who came to me, he had started college at a small school and had to leave to seek treatment for mental health issues. And he returned first to community college, started to do very well there, then transferred to Fordham University. And when I met him, he was currently at Fordham University and he had applied to the Columbia General Studies Program, which is for non-traditional students. So we worked together on finding his voice in his essay and how to interact with the school and how to present himself. And for his you know, third time of applying, he was really able to turn in an application that highlighted his strengths and who he had become. And he, in the end, was accepted and is now currently at the School of General Studies at Columbia University. It was such an incredible feeling. His story was very unique in many ways. He just was such a story of success. So I wanted to highlight him and one other client who I worked with this past year. I know I mentioned I work with students who have health conditions, but this young woman has a diagnosis of chronic pain syndrome and is a wheelchair user. And she had gone to, I want to say three or four different high schools. So kind of piecing together her high school transcripts and Mm. how to articulate Mm. herself on her Mm -hmm. application And Mm -hmm. I helped her identify her college list, work through her essays and the accessibility in terms of campuses. And she ended up getting accepted and will be going to UCLA, which is a huge win for her. And that was something that was a, a reach goal for her. And that worked out. Here are some points that stuck out to me in my conversation with Adrian. She mentioned at one point that it's critical for a team of professionals really to collaborate in assisting a student with this sort of alternative path. Typically, you're talking about therapists, psychologists, working with coaches and educational consultants. If all of those adults are not on the same page, that's going to cause some problems. It's very confusing, say, for a student who is lost in transition, struggling. If the adults that are surrounding that student aren't all on the same page, aren't delivering a consistent message, that's going to make it very difficult for that student to succeed. Another thing that stuck out to me was her message on autonomy. In interviewing a number of educational consultants, you see definitely certain patterns in terms of their rhetoric. At the same time, 
you also see some distinguishing factors. So whether that's their focus on coming of age, self-discovery. For Adrian, it was very clear to me that she was all about encouraging independence and autonomy, which makes sense, I guess, given her focus on a slightly older crowd, I'd say, although she, of course, does college counseling. But the fact that she's working with those young adults who are really trying to find themselves as adults, that, I guess, kind of makes a lot of sense to me. And, you know, I think she takes that mission very seriously. You can, you can tell when she talks about it, how passionate she is about establishing that for kids who are definitely struggling in finding themselves. And it's a very difficult thing, I'd say, in the post-pandemic landscape. Another thing that stuck out to me is how focused she is on what I would call the lost souls. Her mission is quite focused, I'd say, on those people in particular. And, you know, they're lost for a reason. There are not a whole lot of institutional supports for kids who are on those sort of alternative paths. And it was also striking to me how heterogeneous that crowd was, how many different ways you can kind of find your way to adulthood, whether that's gap years, one of the alternative programs like a therapeutic boarding school, whether it's doing some community college, whether it's going to the professional world and then back to community college or an associate bachelor's. I mean, there's just myriad ways of doing it. So I certainly appreciate the fact that there are people out there like Adrian that focus on that crowd specifically. You work specifically with a program called The Dorm. Could you explain what that is? Sure. So uh, the dorm the is a place that supports young adults going through difficult times in their life, whether it be for reasons of mental health, substance abuse, eating disorders, and helps them figure out what is the next path for them in terms of independent living. Some of the clients that go to the dorm live there, and there are locations in Washington, D.C., in New York City, and I primarily work with the students who are at the Upper West Side location in New York City, and they are usually between the ages of 18 and young 30s, and you know okay. students that are a bit older as well, and they come to me. Hmm. My title is academic advisor, and they are coming to me either for college or career advisement and hoping to either... Hmm. Again, mm -hmm. complete their bachelor's degree. Most of the students who are there have already attended college in some capacity and are trying to complete a degree or transfer, or they're coming to me for a career assessment and trying to figure out what are the steps I need to do to apply to jobs and, and find a job upon leaving the dorm. Those are two very different tracks, they are very I would different. think. How do you identify whether a student is kind of like college eligible or college ready versus somebody who you would kind of maybe advise to go straight into the work. So I initially start out with clients and have an academic assessment where I look at since ninth grade, what have they been doing? Where did they go to high school? How did they do in an academic setting? If they applied to college and started college, how did that experience go for them? I do sort of my own transcript audit and looking mm -hmm. at what they have taken and, and how they did in those courses to decide whether or not returning to school is the right path. Many of the students that I work with there will often start 
as non-matriculated students. So they'll often stay at the dorm. It's a collaboration between me, a therapist, and a coach in helping that student go through that process. So it could be one class they sign up for at, say, it's Borough Manhattan Community College or Hunter College, something close by, to put their foot in the pool before they Mm. jump in. And all about mm-hmm. having a student mm-hmm. experience mm-hmm. success. Do not overload. Do not sign up for four classes and live on campus. It's about right. staying in a comfortable that's... environment and doing well there one that's step at a time. Oh, that's great. What do these students need as they transition out of the um, I think in terms of my work, I think having a plan is really key. So a lot of times... When I see that a student is going to discharge from the dorm, and I know I, you know, I said students can be there for a month or, you know, I think more are there on a shorter term basis, could be, you know, three months or six months. I would say those that stay for a longer period of time, it's not as typical, but, you know, I think they are hoping to walk away with a plan in place, whether that be that they are taking classes on a part-time basis, working towards a degree. If there's someone in their mid-20s who already has a college degree that they are in a job or much more comfortable with the job application process and the interview component, I think that those are the real, Mm. at least for my role as academic advisor, are the things that I hope they take away upon being discharged from the dorm, that they're ready or on their way to one of those paths. So it sounds like that's kind of your own sort of metric for your success as a student is do they yes. have like a clear plan and are they at least Absolutely, on their way yes. to that And, much, you know, of course, good. those students who have discharged some will keep in touch and say, you know, I've had a successful semester and hearing those stories are always really rewarding. Right. Oh, definitely. Could you explain what Academics West is? Because I know yes. it's another So Academics West at. is a therapeutic educational program. Um, I believe they were accredited over 10 years ago at this point for K to 12 education, and they provide a supportive learning environment for students who are looking for a bit of a more non-traditional academic setting. So classes are small. They have doctoral level psychologists on staff and you know accredited psychologists as well. They're located on the Upper West Side, and they have a beautiful space, which when you're there feels very much like a school. I, I, again, I've seen them since the beginning when they were in a much smaller location. Now they're on 65th street and they are able to really provide a custom educational plan for each student. Many of the clients that I've worked with there in my role as consulting college counselor has been to really see Hmm. maybe they've gone to a wilderness program and now they're coming to academics West before returning back to a public school or their independent school. They also are able to do credit recovery. They offer a summer school program. So the length of time students stay at Academics West really varies depending on their particular case. So it's sort of kind of like a school for kids who are Yes, but I have seen students who have started there, say, like in middle school, and then now because they're an accredited school, they just stay and graduate. So it really depends on the student. I have definitely seen both where they're, you know, maybe returning back to their independent school or public school, or they decide they love it. They love the small school environment and they would like to graduate from Academics West. Is, is that what distinguishes it from a sort of normal private school experience? Much smaller. It's and I think smaller, the, the amount of time that they are able to spend, if they need to be working with a psychologist, that ability uh, to I be see. with that person very frequently, depending on their needs. 
I think that's really what uh, makes it stand out. I think the staff is amazing. They have to be very patient, obviously, and the teachers are wonderful as well. One thing that stuck out to me in the second segment of my conversation with Adrian was perhaps something that went in passing when we were talking about it, but she mentioned that the dorm students that she worked with typically went into their young 30s, which to me stuck out as a very old crowd. But I mean, I guess if I think about it, there's plenty of people in their late 20s that haven't figured it out, so to speak still haven't really developed a sense of ownership over their own lives, I guess is the best way to put it. So, you know, what resources are there for folks like that, for the late 20s, struggling to find in the professional world, perhaps haven't finished a college degree or have taken some college and haven't quite gotten there? There really isn't much support at all in our society if you think about it. And that's a very difficult time when you're trying to establish your footing in the professional world. It's not easy to get a job without experience. So with that sort of non-traditional background, lacking perhaps college degrees, maybe even high school degrees, it's very difficult to get going. So the fact that that extends into the young 30s, I guess on second thought, is not all that surprising given how long a road that can be for that profile of student. Another thing that stuck out to me was the fact that she took a somewhat gradual approach in the matriculation for a lot of these students in those transitions. You know, that it's not really a matter of jumping from somewhere like the dorm or, you know, rehab or, you know, a residential program directly back into a mainstream like high school or college experience. And I think that's kind of the tendency is that we want people to recover all at once. But really, it's more of a gradual experience. And, you know, exposure therapy, which, you know, we work with a lot, is based on the notion of sort of gradually building up a tolerance to the things that are triggering our poor behaviors. And if you think about progress psychologically, it's not going to happen instantaneously. We want that instant gratification and certainly are eager for it with you know kids who are really having a hard time becoming adults but patience is a really really important thing for those non-traditionals let's talk about how basically the pandemic has impacted teenagers and young adults i mean in your view personally through my work have seen a huge increase in mental health issues anxiety i've had students who were in recovery for eating disorders, have eating disorder flare-ups, you know, sort of relapses in that way. If some clients mm-hmm. have been sober, mm-hmm. they've relapsed in that way. Definitely, I've seen more issues right. with social anxiety coming out of the pandemic, as I mentioned earlier in the interview. Kids are a little bit more nervous in terms of interacting socially in the classroom and outside the classroom. I've seen students who just mm-hmm. are emotionally mm-hmm. younger as well. I feel like, you know, maybe if the pandemic started when they were in ninth grade, mm-hmm. they are still kind of acting a little bit immature in some ways. And just generally, yeah, I think I've had more sure. students come to me saying, I'm in treatment for this. I've I've addressed whatever mental health issues I have. So I, I think there's just been a a little bit more students seeking mental health treatment or, you know, being upfront about that because there's been more in the news, I think, about that and more going on in their their high schools. 
I think that's important to make sure, again, if they are going to go off to college to really make sure they have that treatment taken care of or things lined up before they go. So that's what I've seen from from my side from the pandemic. How do you feel its impact in terms of what you're doing at the dorm I'm, and academic sports? The dorm, I mean, I started working at the dorm during the pandemic. So I was brought on in June of 2020 and they said they thought they would have an increase in clients. It was an incredible increase in the number of clients that I had to meet with. So just in terms of academic assessments and just seeing clients, there were just so many. We got into that like sort of winter of 2020 into 2021. Just the sheer number was greater. Um, Huge spike. That was a big spike, wasn't it? I guess from the standpoint Mm -hmm. of Academics West, I maybe there were, I don't know about the number, the total number that I saw there. I don't know that it was as much of a dramatic increase as I saw at the dorm, but I did see a lot of my students requesting gap years not ready to go to mm. college, wanting time off, whether it be to go travel, to go work mm. for a year. So Probably smart. those students would uh. get into college and then request a deferral. So I definitely saw an increase in the gap year programs. Also at the dorm, clients would come to me asking, saying like they want to make a career change. That was kind of popular. And then more gaps on their resumes. So like how to talk about those and not something that we practice together and how to articulate those in an interview. So if you had a parting piece of advice for parents of, you know, this type of student. I, there, there are a lot of things, but I guess thinking of the clients that I've worked with, I would say it is okay to take a break. There's nothing wrong with, you know, kind of having an atypical path. So mm-hmm. like what is typical anyway? So it's okay validating whatever journey your child or you, whatever journey you're on your definition of success is your own. So don't judge yourself based on what your peers are doing. I often so many times hear students that are comparing themselves to others on social media or what they should be doing at this particular age. You should be figuring out what is the best fit for you and also talking to your kids, helping them to get the help that they need. I just always say like have those conversations, like really Mm. get at the crux Mm -hmm. of what's going on. So yeah, I would say those are probably my takeaways. Again, Lighthouse Guidance is always here to help any students in need that have this atypical path. Here are some final thoughts after my conversation with Adrian. One thing she mentioned is the impact of the pandemic on those who are difficult, the ones that she works with on a regular basis. The fact that the pandemic has had an exacerbating effect. Eating disorders got worse, she mentioned. Those with drug habits relapse into those drug habits. And then also, you know, the thing that she emphasized was socially. You know, the social emotional development has really been arrested and stopped in place. So you have a whole generation, really, of kids who are going to be quite unique because they were paused for a year or two on whichever developmental age they were on. Sort of a big experiment. It's like, what do you do when you pause a 12-year-old for two years? Like, what do they become when they're 14? What happens to a three-year-old like that, an eight-year-old, an 18-year-old? I don't know if there are a lot of answers to that question. This is such a unique time in history in terms of education, but certainly it's worth exploring. And I think it's an area of research and discovery for most of the people in the educational field. 
A second thing that stuck out to me is this sort of pattern that I noticed as we were talking about those kids, that really an ability or a, an opportunity for them to step away, to hit the pause button, I think is critical. Whether that's going to an abroad program, whether it's going to some place like the dorm, whether that's just simply getting out of the home environment or whatever environment that was perhaps slowing them down or, or giving them a hard time. That's what we need, right? We need to take a breath when we heal. We, you can't heal when you're in that sort of toxic situation or difficult situation that really has you pinned. That's not going to work. <laughs> so I think that's in my practice has been the most successful sort of story is a disconnection from whatever that original difficulty was and an extended one and a patient one. Then, as soon as you hit that reset button, it's amazing what the kid can do as far as rebounding. And that includes going back to that circumstance that got them into trouble to begin with. Really, they just needed to reset their mind to take a breath and get back into the difficulty. That doesn't mean you don't go back to it ever. You know, that would be avoidance. But without that pause, I don't think that happens.